Welcome to Mindful Talk, brief conversations about mindfulness in the workplace and at home. I am your host, Lauren Wessinger. And I'm your host, Misty Anderson. And this podcast is brought to you by The Mindful Project. Welcome to episode five, morning and evening protocols. Hi, Misty. Lauren, how are you? I'm doing well today. How about yourself? Really good. Nice day here and all is calm. So that's nice. Good. Enjoy that. Right? Comes in waves. That's right. So today's episode is on the ways we care for ourselves in the evening and in the morning and how that sets the tone really not only for our day, but for our whole life. And so let's start with the evening protocol. Let's just get right to it. Now that everybody's working from home, and even when this lifts, we can start to think about the protocols that we use to care for ourselves as an extension of our, of our workday, really, because work life and home life is so intertwined right now. So tell me what you did last night to have a good morning today? It's a great question. I had to think back. We had an early dinner, which I find is really good for our family so that we can get everything cleaned up. So then I can spend some good time on the couch with my husband and then go to bed. And I read a little bit and then I went right to sleep. It was a pretty chill night. <laughs> Actually, that's nice. pretty much the norm around here these days. <laughs> I have a question about your night. When did you turn off your phone? Ooh, good question. I had it with me while we were watching TV, but I never really used it. And then when we went upstairs, I never really used it. So it was with me, but I never really used it. Yeah. It's like a security blanket, maybe. That's what it just sounded like as I was talking through it. (laughs) I know. Do you guys have a home phone? No. No, we don't either. Well, we have one, but the ringer is always off, so I'm not sure why we have it. I, my Mima still, she just got rid of hers recently, and I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I know. It's one thing I try to do in the evenings is turn my phone off by around 8 p.m., but I'm also really aware that what if my family in another state needs me or there's some emergency? I'm not sure... You know, that's my hang up with it. Although my husband leaves his on all night, so I guess they would find me that way. But one thing I do to to really let go of the outer world is is turn my phone off because I'm so addicted to my phone that I'll keep grabbing it and looking at it and seeing what I'm missing on Instagram in the last 30 minutes. Yeah. So an, an evening routine that I think really sets us up for good sleep and for the next day is to turn the phone off or just if you're pretty disciplined about it. Just stop looking at it at a certain time. I try not to do it. I try not to out of respect for my husband and our time together because it's, you know, itty bitty little window. I try not to look at it because I can have those conversations another time of the day. But I do feel that sense of we do live very far away And, you know, other people are on different time zones, like you said. And so I think that's why I subconsciously always just have it. Um, But I I don't really look at it that much at night. I'm kind of under the, I guess, under the the being right now that 
if you need me, you'll find me. And if it's bad, I'll find out. Do you prepare for, I know you're homeschooling right now. Do you prepare the night before for the next morning or do you wing it in the morning and figure it out then? Oh, there is no winging it in my world. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Um, We used to do strategic protocols in my last job with how we just got everything clicking and how we ran like an office, like a medical office. And the best thing about learning all that from a professional setting is that I take a lot of that and I just put it into my home life. And so everything just runs better when it's already prepared and set out and everyone has clear expectations and there's times around things. It sounds very regimented, but it's all very light and loving. Like that's what I would like to tell people. I'm not like militant with my kids, but I do the night before make sure that I've got everything, all the things out that they're going to need. Everything's accessible. I know what the plan is for tomorrow. I also like to make things simple for myself. And so like I pack my husband's lunch and I get his coffee for him in the morning. And so I get all, you know, the peanut butter and the bread and whatever I'm going to need in the morning. So I don't have to make extra steps to the pantry. I actually set up his coffee and get all that prepared. So it's ready. I just have to hit like the go button. So just small things like that to make my life easier, but they also just, it runs, the machine runs better when all of those smaller things happen. It's so true. And in our last podcast, we talked about how boundaries create more time. I think 10 minutes in the evening of preparing for the morning equals like 30 minutes in the morning because everybody's just waking up. Everybody's in a hurry And I think time goes a lot farther when we prepare the night before and we're just feeling so much more spacious because of that preparation the next morning. Yeah. What do you do in regards to making sure you set the good routine the night before? You know, the evening routine is is pretty simple. And I think that that's maybe the most important concept of this, this whole conversation is how simplicity leads to spaciousness and more time. I know spaciousness is kind of a vague word, but we all know that feeling of like contracted and busy and tight. And then we know that feeling of ease and a little more mental space, which leads to a feeling, a perception of more time. And so the night before I try to empty my head, meaning, you know, there's all those little ticky tacky things that you have to do in a day, like call this person, drop this off, do this. I make sure I make a little list before I get in bed because if I don't, then I'm like, oh, don't forget, don't forget, wake up and don't forget to do that thing, you know? And so I make sure to just brain dump, get it all out of my head, make a list so that I don't have to think about it anymore. I think that's number one for me is is that's my mental practice. And then number two, physically, I make sure to really hydrate myself before I go to bed you know, sleep, which we'll talk about in another episode, is when the body rejuvenates, the brain literally gets washed. It's when the cells regenerate. And so I take a lot of my vitamins in the evening and I, and I hydrate before I go to bed because I swear I wake up feeling much more clear when I do that, clear-headed, not so groggy. That sounds really, really good. And we bring, now that you're saying that we bring water, to our room as well. And we're usually drinking a lot of water before bed too. Yeah. Tea is nice too, right? The ritual of a nice warm cup of tea, right? I agree. Um, What about in the mornings for you? What do your mornings look like? 
So morning, again, super simple. You know, I think people ask me this question a lot, like, what is your morning routine? You know, everyone, everyone wants to know the morning routine. And, yeah. and it might sound a little, a little bit disappointing because it's not that structured and crazy and disciplined. It's actually waking up before the family. I actually wake up with the sun certain times of year before the sun in the winter. And I make sure to wake up with the light because our body naturally wants to wake up with the sun and go to sleep when the sun goes down. Our circadian rhythm is our connection, our body's connection to nature. And so I wake up before the family and I drink a cup of warm water with lemon. I have a really strong iron stomach and I could go straight to coffee. However, warm water with lemon is so much better to get my digestion started, kick-started for the day. I drink that while the coffee's brewing. I take my coffee and I sit in a really specific chair in our living room where I can watch, not the sunrise, but I can watch the light come into the sky. I can't actually see the sun. And I just let my eyes rest on the trees outside and I just take a couple deep breaths and I really love my morning coffee, so I sit with that. And then I try to really wait an hour before I turn my phone on. You know, in the morning is when our mind is the most, for the most part, the most calm, the most creative, the most receptive, as long as we haven't gone on a bender or something the, the night before. <laughs> but if I turn my phone on first thing, when my mind is in that kind of pristine state, I'm allowing the world in first. And that means the world is dictating my day. And so I try to keep that first hour really sacred just for me, where I get to sit. I don't even have to do anything, but I'll sit and think and breathe. And if I'm inspired, I might write. I might even work on a course or something because I get a lot of ideas in the morning that I want to get out of my head and onto paper. So that's my ritual. I, I usually meditate during that time because if I don't, I will not do it during the afternoon. Same. It's like, right. It's like morning or never. And then I go about my day, try to do a little exercise, get the kids up, get everyone fed, get to work. Pretty simple, but simple, but non-negotiable, right? So it doesn't have to be a big, long drawn out thing. However, that happens every single morning. And it's really important to me. I love all of that simplicity. And you're right. It's, um, it doesn't have to be a big thing. We were talking and laughing when we were preparing for this, how we're both yoga teachers and meditation teachers. And so sometimes people think we have these large, elaborate, you know, hour practices that we do every day and we sit for another hour and it's not the case. Trust me. Um, I find <clears throat> that when, I mean, I have my non-negotiables too. Um, my non-negotiables are also rising with the sun. And in the winter months, it's usually before the sun. Always before my family, at least an hour. And I really like to go straight to the bathroom and then straight to my mat. And I just sit there. Sometimes I move and sometimes I don't. 
and I just really just feel it out. I've been moving a lot because my body is really sore lately just from some extra running I've been doing. So it's been a lot more like movement, but sometimes it's just sitting. And I do that for no more than 15 to 20 minutes. I get up, I have a big jug of water, um, and I just drink that straight through. And I've been doing that for like seven years. And someone told me it was something about getting jump starting your digestion. Um, and it just stuck with me and it really works well for me. And then after that, um, after I have my big glass of water, I start getting things in the kitchen ready for everyone else to get up. And then that's when I turn into my, my news time um, where I have like my 30 minutes of news like we talked about on the last segment. So then everybody else starts getting up and it's usually on with our day. Um, but those are the things that like if my family accidentally wakes up during that time, they know exactly where I'm at and what I'm doing. And most of the time they now they don't disturb me at all because they know exactly what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. <laughs> and those, yeah. you were saying how that happens every single time, that pretty much that happens even on vacations or at someone else's house. Not that I'm in anybody's house right now, but you know what I mean. Regardless of where we go, those are the things that make me really happy. They really ground me and set me up for a very successful day. Or if it's not a successful day, they make me more able to handle the things that are being thrown at me. Yes, it's, it's that time of day that you fill your cup so mm -hmm. that you're not just running on empty, literally. Yes, and yeah. the mornings that, let's say, I drink too much the night before, because we all do it, especially now these days, um, and I get up later than I normally would, and so that, that normal hour and a half that I would have is now 30 minutes. The day is completely different, completely different. I still do the routine, and it's still in there, but because of the shortened duration of it, um, I know, and then I'm like subconsciously, I think, disappointed in myself that I let that happen. And so that's when I go back to, okay, Misty, you got to really keep an eye on the evening and what you're doing for your protocols in the evening because they affect that morning that you love so much that sets you up for a great day. It's like a big old chain reaction. Yeah, it's so true. We'll, and we'll talk more about that, about our relationship with alcohol in a later episode. But it gets to this point where you, where you can't have it all, especially as you get older. You can't have <laughs> the night of many cocktails and the lovely morning that you love so much. Yep. Something's got to give eventually, right? Absolutely. So, I, mean, I look forward to that conversation because I yeah, know a lot of people can relate. I think, I think most people can relate to that. You know, the, um, the last thing that I wanted to say that I actually didn't mention because this is such a subconsciously ingrained thing in me now that I forgot to mention it because I don't even sometimes realize I'm doing it. But that is starting my day with gratitude. And a lot of people that I've met in the professional world that I've said this to kind of look at me like I'm some sort of, you know, Buddha genie kind of guru thing that it's a hippity dippity thing to start with gratitude. Um, so as I was thinking about this podcast, I wanted to look up, you know, what's, what research is out there to show that waking up and showing your gratitude really will help you. And I found an article that was published in Counseling Psychology Review, and their claims were, gratitude benefits us directly as a casual agent of well-being and indirectly 
as a means of buffering against negative states and emotions. And that's, man, that's exactly how it feels. Um, I think of a, a few days ago, we had a bad storm. The power went out. And when we went to bed, the power was out. I finally fell asleep. And sometime in the night, the power came on. And when I first opened my eyes and I felt the cool, lovely air in my bedroom on and the fan on, I said to myself, I am so grateful for electricity. I'm so grateful for the men that were, and women that were out all night getting this back on for me. I'm so grateful for the fact that I have an air conditioner in my room. And those little bitty things are what help me be kinder to the world. And that if we all should be practicing the kindness, especially in this time. And so I tell my girls, um, they get annoyed with me because we talk about this all the time. What are you grateful for? What are you grateful for? And I tell them when we rise, we should say what we're grateful for. And Ella will be in a hurry and she won't want to talk about it. I'm like, okay, well, think about what you're grateful for while you brush your teeth. You know, there's plenty of little teeny times in our life, especially in the morning when we're alone and we can be reflective just for a moment to say, I'm very grateful for the little, you know, the little things. We're lucky to have a home that we live in and um, freedom and the ability to work, our legs working, whatever it is, there's a lot we can be grateful for. And I think it truly sets you up to have very, it's a very impactful habit especially for myself and for my family. Yeah, that's gratitude is a strong practice. I'm so glad you guys are doing that. It's a it's a practice and you know, it's not something that we automatically do. Most people's brains aren't wired to find the good in anything because we don't need to find good to survive and run from the lion, right? So so biologically gratitude is a practice. It is such an effective mindfulness tool in changing perspective. I, the, the last study I read on gratitude was a long time ago, and I actually can't quote the study, but I just remembered the outcome. And apparently, you know, nothing in the brain works by itself, right? Nothing in the brain is just working alone. So I'm going to really simplify this, but the part of the brain that, that, that produces the feeling of gratitude and thankfulness doesn't really operate the same time as the part of the brain that gives the feeling of fear and anxiety. Those two parts of the brain can't really fire evenly and equally at the same time. And so I think that's really important to know because gratitude isn't just something that's nice to do, that really positive people only get to do. Gratitude is a practice that can drastically take you out of fear into the present moment and give you an entirely new perspective on a challenging situation. It's not just just for yoga teachers and meditators, you know? And my husband actually bought one for each of us. He bought a, a different one for the kids, and then he bought a more adult one for the two of us, but he bought us gratitude journals for New Year's Day. Oh, I love and, that. And now talking to you, like we were saying earlier, I'm remembering that I need to pick it up again, but he does his all the time. And the kids do it. It's like three things I'm grateful for today. What's one good thing that happened? And I can't, there's some other questions in it, but it's a practice. It's, it's a practice that isn't our natural state that 
is definitely changing the brain and it's under the umbrella of mindfulness for sure. I think as a parent, it is a very important practice that they see um, that amongst everything, I am still, I have a lot of gratitude for the things in my world, for my health, et cetera. And I'm constantly, constantly reminding them yeah. when, they're, when they're experiencing negative emotions or feeling out of control or whatever. Can we stop? Can we think of something? What are you grateful for right now? I yeah. know you want that book and I know you want to do that right now, but you have all these other books. Are you, are you grateful for those books? Maybe, maybe that's something you want to do, you know, just helping them see that way. And it's, like I said, it's a very impactful habit. That's what I would call it. It's that, I think it's maybe an Oprah quote. She said, gratitude turns what we have into enough. Oh, that's so good. Mama so Oprah. Good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so should we close with our mindfulness practice? Yeah, I think that's perfect. A little bit about gratitude, huh? A little bit about gratitude. Let's let that be our mindfulness practice for this, this episode. So a couple ways to, this is your homework, listener, should you be up to the challenge. A couple ways to invite gratitude in your life is exactly what Misty said, which is casually and formally, as you're brushing your teeth, what are five things you're grateful for in the moment? Or lying in bed before you get up in the morning for your lemon water and your coffee or tea. Five things you're grateful for in that moment. Even going to bed at night, it could be an evening ritual to calm your brain away from the anxiety of the day and the to-do list. Ten things you're grateful for in that moment. So mindfulness can be formal and informal. Formal is like sitting down to do a practice. Informal is like, how many times a day can I make a quick mental list, my gratitude list? And then this is a nice practice to do on a Sunday. It sounds like a lot, but it goes very quickly. But on a, on a day of rest, like Sunday or even Saturday morning, make a list of 100 things you're grateful for. It takes about 10 minutes max, believe it or not. And once you get going with that flow, do it with paper and pen. Don't type it out. You'll be amazed at really how much good is in your life that you didn't even really realize until you sat down to think about it. That's an amazing practice. And as soon as we're done here, I'm going to do it. Same it's, deal. That, you know, it's, it's really not that hard. Um, I have a paper behind me I would show you, but my then six-year-old was able to come up with like 25 words on her own that she herself was grateful for. And her world is like this big, you know? So a hundred for us, we see the world and the perspective different from a kid. We should be able to easily come up with that. Yes. Yes. Well, thanks. I really appreciate that. That's a um, very helpful tool. Yes. Thank you for sharing your tools too. You always inspire me to, to just do things in a more healthy way. So I appreciate you for that. Me too. Thanks for holding me accountable. Yes. <laughs> That's good accountability, buddy. Yes. All right, my friend. Thanks. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to Mindful Talk. We don't take it lightly that you spent your time listening to our podcast, and we are forever grateful. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Welcome to a more mindful way of living and working.